Sponge. It's another week of the Varsity Podcast. We are entering week eight of the high school football season. This season just flying, flying, just flying by, isn't it? Man, alive. We got a lot to uh, preview in week eight, but let's, uh, as we always do on our Varsity Podcast, we take a quick glance of what happened the week before. And man, I think uh, my biggest takeaway. Bowles is the unquestioned number one team in the area. Yeah, I thought maybe Riverside had a little bit of a, a, a you know, a, a claim to that possibly, but after last week, yeah. I think uh, it's it's pretty definitive uh, that Bowles is that number one. Yeah, team. Yeah, Bowles definitely number one team. They're they're the most complete team, you know, offensively, defensively. Um, they play it well with the ground game. Got the great defense. We looked at Riverside saying, hey. They probably may have the claim to the number one defense. You know, let's see them play. Offense has been kind of hit or miss, been up and down a little bit. They've scored a lot of points. I think their schedule has been a little light. Uh, Lake City, you know, come in. They've been up and down as well. But I think uh, the most disappointing thing is you're, you know, you're up big time in that game. and then 26-7 to seven in the fourth quarter. That's crazy. You know, you, you're there, blow the lead, turn the ball over. And you lose the ball game, and that's you know that's a home game. Granted, it was it was you know it had been raining, nasty field, muddy, and that field's terrible anyway. But nonetheless, Columbia's got to play on that field too. Exactly, <laughs> you, you play on the same you know same surface. Everybody you know, put your pants on the same way, one leg at a time. So if you got to play on a wet field, you got to deal with those conditions. So they came out, did what they needed to do in the fourth quarter, created some turnovers. You know, scored some touchdowns. The crazy part, too, was the quarterback got knocked out of the game, so they had to go to their backup and convert some uh, big plays. But I think uh, disappointing to be up that big, you know, in a game you should have won, and now you're feeling like, man, we let one get away. Yeah, in, in a district game, too. Had that just exactly. been a rivalry game. Exactly. And and I think Columbia is, what, 3-0 in the district? Yeah, they, so that's – They've I mean, got that, that thing pretty much sealed That up. essentially wrapped up the district championship for Columbia, barring – uh, any kind of crazy upset, they play Orange Park on Friday. Yeah, I don't see, I don't see that yeah, that no. going uh, the Raiders' way. So that was a huge, huge loss for Riverside. Again, a team that had been rock solid, the best defense in the area in, on paper, certainly entering that game. And you come out and you're up. I, I was at the first half of that game, and Riverside just didn't did not play well. They had a couple turnovers in the first half, uh, fumble and a kick return, um, a fumble and a punt return. Um, just really kind of kind of played a little bit sloppy, and I, I think and even, lot of, even all that play, they were still up by three scores. They were still <laughs> so, they were still up. Jaheim Singletary had a great game. He had a pick in the first half, yeah. um, and, and credit to Columbia being down. They're only down seven six at halftime. It felt a little more uh, lopsided than that, but they came out and you're down nineteen in the fourth quarter, and you close. I mean twenty six to seven at Riverside, yeah. and you're thinking, no way that they're yeah. going to come back. For and sure, for sure. Unbelievable finish from uh, from Columbia. Demetrik Jackson's team, a 21-0 blitz in that fourth quarter, and come back and really seize control. Of that and, and Riverside had won seven of the last eight in that series, really in, uh, in pretty either dominant fashion on a defensive side or a explosion in a dof- uh, dominant fashion on the offensive side. So really – uh, really a huge, huge disappointment for Riverside with how they had been playing. And I think that was my big takeaway from last week. And another one drops from the rank, the unbeaten, with Creekside falling to Atlantic Coast. Yeah. That was another big one. Yeah, Fats Walker went off. He had 172 yards rushing, three TDs. You know, so they've uh, got the ground game going, obviously, against uh, Creekside. I, I know I heard uh, Coach McIntyre basically said it's on him. They didn't have, he didn't have his guys ready to go. 
and have the guys ready to play. And uh, but uh, they uh, definitely Fats Walker when he gets going, that Atlantic Coast offense can really get clicking. They can score some points. That's exactly what they did. I think Creekside, you know, they didn't take them lightly, but you get into a game where you feel like you should beat a team, you know, and you've been, you know, running the table undefeated, and you, you just you get into a little buzzsaw, and you know, you're not ready to play. You can Maybe lose. looking ahead a little it, bit it, to Bartram it, it, this week. Kind of so, you know, you, you look ahead, you know, you got a big game coming down the pipe with a with a Bartram Trail, a team who's kind of like all, all run St. Johns County, and. You know, you look ahead and boom, you catch an L. Yeah, that's, that I mean, Creekside's best start. You're 6-0. and And Atlantic Coast has been really in, in the last uh, little over a year, they've been a team that's really kind of been a, um, a Jekyll and Hyde kind of team. You know, I saw them in the first half against Sandalwood. Um, Sandalwood was rocking them. They come back and, and blow the doors off Sandalwood 39-21 when they're down 21-7 to in that yep. game. Um, and then to, to come out and beat Creekside, 29-14 in a game that, um, you know, that Creekside was favored in, should have won um, on paper. But Atlantic Coast, you know, Fats Walker is – he's kind of one of those guys that's no, he's under the radar, he's, but, man, he's he tough, is good. He's a tough back. He's like – you know, we talked about the best backs in the area. I mean, he's definitely one of the guys to talk about who's been – production value has been high. He's, you know, like their engine. You know, if he gets going, they're obviously going to have a good night. So, when he gets going, AC's got a good – Good offensive game plan, and you know that that's a big win for them. You know, knocking Creekside off the unbeaten. It's you know too late for them in the district yeah, race. They, They've already got a couple of district losses, definitely. but man, they have been play a, for some pride and get some upsets, knock some guys off. You know, you feel good about yourself. Yeah, and that's um uh, the last one from uh, a couple more from last week. I'm going to talk about Menendez beats Parker in double OT, 15 to 14. St. Augustine 28-21 over Nice. Yeah, that was a tough one. Mandarin 35-20 over White, knocks White from the ranks of the unbeaten. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trinity 27. American Heritage 14. That was a, that was a uh, big game for Trinity to come back after the Bulls loss. Uh, they kind of just blitzed them there at the beginning. What happened was um, American Heritage threw an interception. and It went 0-0 first quarter, you know, back and forth defensive stops for each team. Then they threw the pick. Trinity got a short field, took advantage of it, got the lead. On to a kickoff, American Heritage fumbled, gave them another short field, gave them a 14-0 lead, and they kind of never looked back. They even scored – on the first drive of the third quarter to give them a 20 to nothing cushion. And basically American Heritage just kind of couldn't come back in that game. Trinity took care of business, kind of blitzed, you know, one of the top teams in our, in our state, you know, American Heritage is one Phoenix five, state eight, champ. Yeah, they, and they're, they're, Patrick Sertain always has a loaded bunch and they, they got a ton of guys, power five offered guys. They just couldn't get nothing going on. And, th- offense, and three Oh last year, Trinity. Yeah, no, that, that, no, that so was, that was a crazy, ugly, you know, defensive slugfest. That you just one. don't know what you're going to get with these two teams, but Trinity has really kind of taken, uh, kind of taken, uh, the reins in this series two in a row over plantation. And, uh, just, uh, you know, in two ex- ex- really different ways. I mean, last yeah. year, total defense and a field goal. This year, you you use that defense, you're on from the outset. And I really think that 27-14 score was probably not as uh, indicative of how that how yeah, in that control Trinity really, was. Really, really, Plantation really had no shot in that game. They scored a late touchdown to make it 27-14. It was 27-7 with three minutes to go. American Harris tacked on a touchdown, you know, to make it a 27-14 game. So, you know, on the scorebook, it looked a little closer, but uh, it was pretty dominating performance. So it was, that was a nice way to bounce back after getting beat, you know, slaughtered against Bulls the week. Yeah, that's so. uh, really – I picked Plantation to win that game. Yeah, I, I was, I was, you know, rooting for my boys. Um, thought they could win the game. 
but I think I was definitely surprised at the outcome and how the finish was. After To me, after the week before against Bowles, you lose 35-0. And, again, we talked about this last week, but that score was kind of deceptive. I think yeah. it was more of a, uh, you know, kind of a, a – a th- maybe a four-touchdown game before it really got away from, from them, that things really changed late in that fourth quarter. Uh, but to come out and, and play that way against a defending state champion um, with a program that, with the pedigree of uh, American Heritage really kind of has a pretty good pretty good undertones for Coach Verlandorm. You see what his team is made about. You kind of can come back after that difficult, humiliating loss, yeah. a running clock loss a week before, and they uh, were able to really refocus um, St. Augustine 28-21 over Nice, kind of a neat symmetry there. Brandon James, Tim Tebow winning the Hall of Fame on the Florida Gators Hall of Fame on the night of that St. Augustine Nice game. So that was pretty cool. Brandon and uh, of course he's the uh, St. Augustine guy, current offensive coordinator there. Uh, and Tim Tebow was a quarterback at Nice. Those guys played some epic games Definitely. back when they were in high school together. Yeah, Brandon James was a fun dude to watch. Yeah, he was. Even, you know, college and at St. Augustine, he was electric. He was uh, amazing. I covered all four of those games. St. Augustine was 4-0 in those games. And just a uh, back and forth as the first time those two guys met on the field was 2003. Nice was undefeated. It was the week five of the, the regular season. He's 4-0 going into that game. And really their offense had taken the area by storm uh, in 03 under Coach Craig Howard. And um, it was just a back-and-forth game. Brandon touchdown, Tim touchdown, Brandon touchdown, Tim touchdown. 52-35 St. Augustine victory in that first game. They went on to play three more classics uh, between them. St. Augustine uh, went 4-0, and I know the fans, uh, the, the play announcers were very quick to remind uh, fans in attendance last week that Tim Tebow never beat the Yellow Jackets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My boy Stokes tried to get he that. Tried, he tried. He, he had a good game. He um he accounted for all three of the touchdowns. He threw for two and he caught one, um but just couldn't get it you know done when they needed to. Like you know late fourth quarter, St. Augustine got the touchdown to put him over the, put him in the head, and you know they never looked back and took the win. But I will say Nice is definitely better. They're showing their they're showing their moxie that they're. A, they're an up-and-coming team. These two district games they got coming up are going to be big. Let's we'll see where they're at with that. But I was uh, I was proud of my boy Stokes, so hopefully he can keep it up. I, l- I looked up the stats again. He's the number 17th-ranked passer in the state right now. Yeah, and he's he has done it week after week. And, um, you know, I think he's in that conversation as, uh, you know, maybe that best signal caller in the 904 this season. So um, that's kind of a looking back um, and, and the games we touched on and, and the other ones um, kind of lead us in – to this week's game, so uh, this to me last week was more of a more of a setup week. Nice games, non-district games, um, and this week is it changing. This is a lot of uh, district marbles yeah, on the line. Important, important game this week. So Creekside Bartram to me is the number one game this week. I think Oakleaf Mander number two, Nice Fletcher number three, and man, kind of take your pick on on the fourth games. I like Kenny and White as a fourth game. Um, Middleburg Gainesville is another game. Um, so wh- what have you got those, on this those, week? Those are all the games I've got listed. I, I threw one more in there. I've got Uli Reigns just because that district's kind of tight. Reigns can, I think, seal that up. Yeah, Reigns can win a district this week. Yes, so. I, and Reigns, you know, we talk about them a lot. Their defense is always good. Um, offensively, they've been, you know, a little slow. You know, I know they got the, you know, the banged-up quarterback, so they had to move Latimer back to a quarterback. They just don't. They haven't been light, lighting it up on the scoreboard like they normally do, but hey, they just keep winning games. They had a tough one against Sandalwood, beat Sandalwood. So I, we've seen Yuli's defense. Yuli's defense has played pretty well. So 
you got to expect maybe Reigns to win a, a low-scoring defensive battle and get the win to, to close out that district. But I like I like those other games as well. Bishop Kenny at White, I want to see what, you know, what is Ed White going to do after coming off of a loss? You know, Bishop Kenny, who have you guys played to say, you know, we're a 4-1 and team, we're, we're, we're a, a team to be reckoned with in this district? Because I know – Looking at Ed White's schedule after this is pretty tough. It toughens up quick so, for the so commanders. Exa- exactly. They, they they came out 4-0 hot. That's good, but it, it matters what how you finish. Exactly. It's how you finish. So, so th- th- that's a big one to, to you know come back like after a loss. You know how, how you going to play? And they really got worked by Manor no, last week. It was I think what 28 nothing at or, halftime. Yeah, it yeah. Was just a blowout at, at least halftime. They, they made back. it respectable. Yeah, I was about to say at least they fought back and, and you know made a little bit of a you know not a blowout, but. Definitely uh, surprised, you know, to lose, you know, to be down so big, basically. Yeah, and, and, and it's how, really how you respond. Um, you know, this the second half is really kind of put up or shut up time for a lot of these teams in district play, and that leads me to a, another one, Oakleaf at Mandarin. I think this is Mandarin to me is they're they're right there with Atlantic Coast as the team you just don't want to see at this point in the season. Definitely, um, Mandarin's eight points away from being a one loss team. Um, and they, you know, they beat Baker County on a goal line stand a few weeks ago. They beat, um, you know, Ed White last week, drummed Ed White last week, 35-20. Uh, score was not uh, indicative of how uh, lopsided that one was. Um, and they're facing Oakley, Oakleaf team that needs this win. They yeah. cannot afford a loss, especially with Bartram and Creekside still in the district schedule for them. Uh, and, and Mandarin, I, you know, I know they're 3-4 they're and four record. They're 0-2 in district. But this team is very good. They've got, you know, I, you look at Colin Hurley at Trinity, but Tramel Jones at yeah. Mandarin, mm-hmm. he is in that conversation as the best freshman signal caller in the Definitely. 904 with Colin. Definitely. You can, I saw Denny tweeted out, this kid's legit. You know, Denny trains all these quarterbacks in our area, so he's got everybody under his wing. And, you know, he's told me this kid's good. So I know if, if you're under Denny's wing and, and he, he basically vouches for you, that means you're pretty good. Yeah. So I, I I haven't seen him fully play yet. I, I need to look at some film on him, but I've seen I've seen some stats, and I'm like, okay, this kid is pretty good. Yeah, he's in a, a freshman. <laughs> and he's, a, he's a young cat, so and definitely got a lot of room to grow. We've got some pretty good young quarterbacks. Yeah, in two the studs yeah. in the 904 freshman, uh, being uh, Tremel and and uh, Colin Hurley at Trinity. So uh, the future is bright with those guys, but I think the future can still be now for Mandarin. If they upset Oakleaf, and I think that is a it's possibility. Definitely, definitely plausible, and I, I could definitely see that happening. You know, after a big win like that last week, you know, get get a little things clicking, get rolling, get another win. Like you said before, eight points away really from being, you know, a, a, way, a and, way different team. Yeah, and their, their one true loss was to Bartram Trail by 15. And, again, that was a tough win for Bartram. They 23-8. to eight. Not a blowout of any uh, of any sorts, and I think if they play the game now, it's it's maybe a different story with how uh, Tremel has grown into that quarterback position, how well that Manor defense is playing. Um, so I think that's a tough game for Oakleaf in District One Eight A. They have Devin Outlaw back. That's a good sign for them. He's mm-hmm. averaging twelve point eight yards a carry. He's only played two games due to injury, but he's over four hundred yards rushing. Uh, he had a buck ninety nine in uh, Orange Park in Week One, and then uh, two twelve yeah. in no, his can, game against uh, Sandalwood. He can tote it too. That's another good young back in our area. That's really good. We've got some good players, and Outlaw is definitely one of them. He, you know, he came out for uh, seven on seven as a freshman. Um, this kid's pretty good. You know, he, he running backs really don't fare well in the seven on seven game. But if if you're fast and you can catch the ball in the backfield, you can find a you can find a lane in that. So, but eleven on eleven. 
kick and towed it. Yeah, he has been running the ball strong and hard. And in his absence, really, Oakleaf was fortunate to have guys like Isaiah Shevchuk get in there and carry the ball and really offset that loss of Devin Outlaw. But there's only one Devin Outlaw for Oakleaf, and if he is healthy, that changes really changes the the complexion of this Oakleaf team to not only have one back right now, they've got three in that offense who were capable for going for uh, for triple digits each time out. So that is a huge game. Again, Mandarin peaking at the right time. Um, their young quarterback has grown up. Their defense has been solid all season long. Uh, Carmelo Jones, just a, a great linebacker. And we'll see what they can do against uh, against that Oakleaf team that's going to be using three backs to come at Mandarin. And again, a huge district game, um, really for Oakleaf. They have to win to stay in uh, the thick of the race. Yeah, you Bartram, lose, you lose that one. Bartram, no district losses. Oakleaf, no district losses. And Creekside, no district losses. Creekside's already played three district opponents, though. So, if, Oak, if Creekside wins, they are in pretty darn good shape uh, to win that district championship. And that leads us into that game, Creekside Bartram. To me, probably the game of the week. Yeah, definitely game of the week. I guess it might have lost a little bit of flair, you know, with Creekside losing last week. You know, there would have been two undefeated teams. Or, no, actually. Bartram, Bartram lost yeah. early to Lincoln. Yeah, exactly. Tallahassee Lincoln week, what, one or two. But I think, you know, for the, for that district, definitely game of the week. Big time, like, who can, who's going to take the lead in this district? Who's going to basically say, we're, we're in front. We're going to put it to bed. I like the matchup. Who's going to come to play? You yeah. Know, I think, Bart, like, we said it. A couple times, Bartram's offense just ha- hasn't clicked all year, but they've been doing what they need to do to get the wins. I love my guy Eric Weatherly. They've been wrinkling him in there. If you can get him involved on offense, they he can, it's just not been a typical Bartram yeah, offense. They, they just don't exactly. I think it's more so they just don't have that signal caller that's yeah. just been your straight up drop back passer, you know, or a guy who's been able to do the run pass option. You know, they just tough. They've grown those guys on trees for what it feels like forever. You always feel like Bartram's got a quarterback. So, they're working in with their wrinkles and they're scoring points and they're winning ball games. You know, Creekside, same thing. You know, they've just been a scrappy bunch. So, I think this matchup is a good matchup between, like, who's going to come to play. Let me ask you something. So, so Creekside was the school that came about from Bartram. Bartram was overcrowding. Creekside – was built to eliminate, um, you know, to take some of that pressure off there. These schools are separated by three miles uh, on the road, um, long Battle of Longleaf Pine Parkway. Bartram is 12-1 and one against mm-hmm. Creekside in the history of these two schools. Started in 2008. 12-1, okay, how how does that factor in? You know, you're, you've been on the sidelines in locker rooms with a lot of these, uh, a lot of these players. Does that history matter when it comes to I, high school football? I almost don't. It's, it's, you know, you go back to thinking about, like, uh, we'll use a college reference, Florida, Kentucky, you know, a couple weeks ago. You know, Florida hadn't won – or Kentucky hadn't won in Lexington against Kentucky in, since, like, 1986, like like 30 years. You know, the, the guys on that team don't know anything about that, really. So, going to this reference, you know, 12, 13 years of losing – the only guys who really understand it are the guys who have been playing in that in, in the in the games where they've been ninth graders, tenth graders, eleventh graders. Coaching staff there too, right? Definitely coaching staff. If they've been there, you know, you're thinking about like, man, we got to get off the schneid. We got to get one. Yeah, we got to finally beat these guys. I think it more so for the coaches. You know, it might get in your head a little bit. Like, man, can we get a win against these guys? They just got our number. They're just better than us. Whatever it is. So, I, I think it matters more so for the coaches than the players. And obviously, the player, you, you know, the players understand. 
and be like, man, we haven't beat this team in however many years. We've only beat them once in our existence. What do we got to do to get that win? So it definitely, definitely lingers around. But in a sense, you know, you got to block all that out and say, it's just who it is we're playing. Let's just get the win somehow, some way. It, it just but to me, it's like it, it kind of, it's kind of it goes back to the Saint Augustine. Bartram. Yeah, you know they couldn't. It was like it was like a stigma, and it almost seemed like that was a cause for those losses for a long time for Bartram in that series. And then they finally got over the hump, and then you know it's been better for yeah, them. Yeah, they've now. won four in a row. But I was going to ask you about that because Saint Augustine won the first nineteen games yeah. between. They, them and Bartram Trail. 19, that's, that, it's just, that doesn't happen. No. Um, you know, between two rivals. And especially with a lot of those Bartram teams that were pretty good. Very good. <laughs> and, you know, I, I covered quite a few of those games, and there were times in that series where it just felt like the St. Augustine coaching staff knew that they were going to come back. They knew what they'd done in the series before. Yeah. They never got frazzled. They never got, um, rattled. I mean, I remember Bartram was up 19-0 in a game at Bartram Trail one year. Um, and this is when Brian guess, Braddock guess, and Josh Hoekstra, the yeah, guys, yeah. were on that staff at St. Yeah. Augustine. They yeah. came out and said, hey, we're going to make you rewrite your story. Yeah. And St. Augustine, like clockwork, came back and won 22-19. And I'd seen Bartram Trail almost coach itself out of games, get too conservative. Yeah. Um, and I and I do think that was – I think the stu- the players heard it over and over. Um, but I think the coaching staff knew it too and almost – almost became coaching not to lose instead of coaching to win. Yeah. And so I do think there's some uh, I validity I, I guess that. I guess the, the, you asking me that question, I've never been in that situation. Yeah. We've never, <laughs> at Trinity, we never had a team that beat us, like, you know, on a consistent basis. Maybe if we'd have played bowls every year during that 10, 12 years I was there instead of the two or three times where we kind of split back and forth. But, you know, for the most part, you know, there was only a handful of teams that had our number, the Madison Counties, mm-hmm. but it was just, you know, it wasn't like a, a every-year thing. But I know it can definitely wear on you mentally to be like, man, we cannot beat this team. So I, I definitely think it has a little bit of a factor. So Creekside, you know, you got to be like, hey, we can beat these guys. And the games yeah. have never been close either. And yeah, these... that's, part of, that's part of the issue and too. And, you know, Creekside, if, if these – Bartram's been in the last decade, they've been a pretty dominant team out there in St. John's County. And Creekside's – they're kind of up and coming. They've been getting better and better and better, and they're, and they're slowly becoming respectable of like, hey, we can play with you guys now. So, you know, basically put it together and see what you got. Yeah, and I just – I wonder with the schools, you know, and I, I don't – had this been a Bowles and Trinity or a Trinity UC, Trinity yeah. – I mean, I, I think that's different um, than, a, than a, a schools that are right down the street from each other. Right. So, I, you know, these are their friends. These are guys you're almost <laughs> compared to. Um, you know, at the time, you, you could pick between going to Creekside and Bartram back when this uh, streak originated. Uh, and so I just – I'm curious from a from a coaching standpoint, not, yeah. having been around that Bartram-St. Augustine rivalry for so long and hearing from the players, hearing from the coaches. Um, you know, I remember specifically talking to Daryl Sutherland after one loss to St. Augustine, and he brought up the streak and, you know, kind of uh, unsolicited. Um, you know, so I know he gotta, heard that. Yeah, it's got to be a little mental block in your head where you're you're thinking about it. I, well, I mean, once you're in the game, you're, you're not thinking about it, but it's almost like, man, we lost him again. Like, what's going on? We can't get over this hump. We can't get this win. Like, so it's a little – I can definitely see where it can be a mental blocker. You're always – it's in the back of your head, player, coach-wise, fan-wise, like you said, all, all that all that could be a factor in. But when it gets down to brass tacks, it's like who's going to execute, who's got the better game plan, who's got your guys ready to go. 
and you might have that you might feel like that every year but it doesn't turn out that yeah, way. Yeah, it's you know I think it's something for fans, for media, definitely, um, for def- alumni. Def- definitely, it, I think that factors in a little more, and it's a little it's a little bit of a pressure cooker, you know that that makes you feel if your fans are on you like you know we have a, we dominate this team, we never lose to them, so we're never going to lose to them. We're always going to beat them. Vice versa, flip that. We never can beat this team. We never win. What are we doing? We you know, let's let's get a win. Like so, finally, you know you, you hopefully. Get the right game plan, you know, call the right plays, play good ball, and, you know, win. Yeah, and, you know, it brings you back to St. Augustine East rivalry. Tim Tebow said years ago when asked by ESPN what was one of his biggest regrets in sports. <laughs> the fact that he didn't And he said, un, you know, uh, just not even not even breaking stride that he never beat St. Augustine. Well. So, you know, for guys who won the Heisman Trophy and first-round draft pick and the success that he's had, the national championship – he always circled back to one of his biggest regrets, the biggest regret of his uh, athletically early on in his career was not beating yeah. his biggest rival. Peyton, Peyton Manning never beat the Gators. Peyton Manning never beat the Gators, <laughs> too. So those are uh, two good examples of just about how much these streaks, these rivalries mean. And that Creekside Bartram, to me, is uh, the one to circle on the calendar this week just because of what's at stake for these. What about uh, your last one, Spun? My last one, definitely the Nice-Fletcher game. I think uh, we talked about Nice. We talked about C4. C4's got those guys winning some ugly games. Their their offense is struggling for sure. Defense is playing great. So they're obviously in every game. So now this is a huge district win to put. I think basically whoever wins this one is going to be the leader in the clubhouse in that district. So, you know, can Nice continue their offensive, you know, power with Stokes and Dom Henry? You know, they're going to face a good defense in Fletcher. So, Let's let it play out. Yeah, and, you know, I, I've seen Fletcher, and Fletcher's offense is abysmal yeah, to watch. Yeah, And, it, it, you know, when I saw Fletcher Parker, it was two, maybe the two worst offenses in the area going head-to-head. Parker ended up winning the game 9-7. to seven, But, you know, it, and again, Seatrick's first year as head coach at Fletcher. Their defense has been rock solid, very similar to Parker, what uh, we've seen with Parker. Um, but Fletcher has slowly started to, to turn it last week, a 12-7 win over Rebalt, and they have to hope this week, and they're right in that district race too, mm-hmm. um, they have to hope this week that they can drag Nice into a slow-down, grind-it-out, 14-13 kind of game. They're not going to outscore Nice yeah, they, they almost in a 30-point game. They need to take the, the Yuli formula, I think, because I expected – Watching Nice, I expected Nice to continue to do what they were doing to score 28, 35 points in that game, you know, win by two or three touchdowns. Instead, it was kind of a little bit of a slobber knocker defensively. They did enough on offense to get the win. I think the biggest key, too, is is uh, looking at Stokes. You know, we talk about him throwing the ball. When he's able to run the ball well and make a few runs, some big runs, they've, they've had way more success. The games where he's been slowed down, obviously last week, Negative yards rushing. The week against Yuli, I think he only had 35. Against First Coast, he blitzed them. He had pretty good yards uh, early in the season against, uh, I think, even Creekside. He had a pretty good uh, rushing yards in that game. When he's able to get the RPO game going, they're able to run it a little bit. Then it opens up that pass. Their offense is pretty good. So, I don't know how good their defense is, but if Fletcher's O is struggling, this bodes well for Nice, you know, scoring – if you can get 21, you should be able to win that game. Yeah, and Fletcher, their high point total of the season has been 21 points. Yeah, so so it, it has not been pretty for C4 on offense, but, man, he has found 
something in the water there where that defense is just every week keeping them in games. And had you told me in week one after seeing Fletcher that they would have been, you know, Fletcher lost to Sandalwood in week one. Yeah. Week two is when I saw him against Parker. Had you told me that they would have been three and three and had a chance in district to, to take a step forward and possibly win that district, I would have said no way because that offense was so bad, so vanilla, so uh, lacking a big play threat. But Merritt Reynolds is, is solid in, as a safety there. Aaron Hester yep. is a monster. He's Ten a tackles for loss, four sacks, a game changer on that defensive side of the ball. That defense is wicked, and I think they're going to have their eyes set on uh, Dom Henry this yeah, week, on Marcus circle, Stokes. You better circle number one. I, talking about Stokes is number 17. Dom is the number two uh, rated receiver and receiver yards in the state. So yeah, he is. Like, he, it's, it's those two guys, you know. So you better circle both of them, and it's pretty much them. So if you can eliminate one of them, you might be in business. But if he could find another weapon, I can't believe my man Grant Stevens can't get going. In yeah, that it's, it's it, very slow going for him. Yeah, so it's you find another. If you find another weapon, that could be big for him. Because I know what they got Fleming Island next week. So that's a big one. Yeah, so these back-to-back weeks for Nice is going to, you know, basically uh, solidify their spot. In the no, Fleming playoffs. Island is two weeks from now. Okay, yeah, they got a bye week. So That's they right. could wrap it up next week. Fleming yeah. Island's got another district game, but um, I, it's such a good clash here that Marcus Stokes powered, Dom Henry powered offensive Nice against that really that shutdown defense of Fletcher. Still waiting for that offense to get going. And oh, by the way, congrats to C4, Florida Georgia yep. Hall of Fame induction. Yeah, Kiwan Ratliff and and uh, Seatric Fazin, two names the area should know well, uh, going into the Florida Georgia Hall of Fame on October 29th. Been cool watching Seatric first as a player at Fletcher, then at Florida, then in the NFL, and then coming back to the area and uh, really giving back. And I thought it was cool. Seatric posted on Facebook uh, earlier today that he appreciated all the the love and everything. Mm-hmm from the Hall of Fame stuff, but he didn't have time to pay any attention to it yesterday because they have a huge game on yeah, Friday. I sent, I sent him a these. text this morning. He replied, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so it's cool to see theatrics so zoned in on the Nice yeah, game this week. Exactly. He knows what's at stake. So that is going to wrap us up as we uh, look back on week seven, look ahead to week eight. And, man, we're going to have some uh, probably some district champions to talk about next week, Sponge. A lot of good ones this week and a lot of a uh, lot on the line Come Friday night. Yeah, we'll be talking some playoff talk. Probably. Yeah, playoff talk. It's, it's almost here. You know, we had our midseason breakdown of uh, top players a couple of weeks ago. And, man, we're going to be talking playoffs uh, come next week on another edition of the Varsity Podcast. For Sponge Franklin and I, thanks for listening. <laughs>